Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Tonight, we're continuing in our In Christ series, and I need to tell you a little story about something that I experienced for the first time. Um, maybe some of y'all have already had this experience, but I went to a Bucky's um, over the weekend. How many of y'all are, are, you've been to a Bucky's before? So you know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all, you've, you've never, you don't know what I'm, you've never been to a Bucky's, but you want to go? Anybody here have no idea what I'm talking about? Okay, so uh, Bucky's is probably the most American way to buy your gas um, because I believe, hey Johnny, over on the soundboard there are three little settings there. It says like band, vocals, and um, can you mute all that in drums? I hear like ringing um, and I don't want to sound too reverby. Uh, so, so if you can imagine, if you've never been to Bucky's, this, this side here, these are all the gas pumps. I believe, from what I was told, there were 80 gas pumps at the Bucky's that I was at. And then on the inside, it's just like, it's almost like Gatlinburg threw up in a store, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's like, like there's an entire wall just of beef jerky. And then there's a, a counter where you can buy like Gucci jerky. And you have, like, they have bri- the incre- these incredible brisket sandwiches. They have just food, food, food. They have all kinds of knickknacks, souvenirs. But the thing is, there were probably like 200 people in that store when I was there. And if any of y'all are like me, when there are a lot of people, you know, you start getting a little overwhelmed. There's a lot of noise. And you're just like, get me out of here. It was overwhelming. Have you, have you ever been in a, a situation where it was like, it was too much of a good thing? Like it was too much of America in one gas station, for one gas station to hold. And, and I, I was overwhelmed. Um, you know, our world is very similar to a Bucky's. The world that you're growing up in is very similar to a Bucky's. It's very different than the world your parents grew up in. Your parents grew up in a Speedway world. You are growing up in a Bucky's world. Your parents had like Three options, well, more than three options on the TV. That was your grandparents. But you know, your parents had like a few shows that you could watch, but you had to be there at the right time. There was this thing called a VCR where you could, quote unquote, tape your shows and watch them later. Uh, they didn't have Netflix. They didn't have a YouTube TV or Hulu. So you have, there are so many things to choose from and so many choices to make, so many things that are coming at you. It's overwhelming. It's like spiritual buckies every day. We've been in this series called In Christ. We've been journeying through the book of Ephesians. And we made it through chapters 1, 2, and 3, which talk about what it means to learn who you are in Christ. And then in chapter 4, we made a shift. If you, how many of y'all have been with us since the beginning? Some of y'all have been, you know, been with us since the beginning. In chapter 4, we made a shift and we went from doctrinal, meaning learning all the things that happened when you were saved and how God brought your salvation about, and it went to practical, meaning here's how you live in light of who you are in Christ. Uh, we looked at the beginning of Ephesians and it talk, it's addressed, first of all, who, you know, everybody's going to get this by the end, right? Who wrote Ephesians? the Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit directed Paul to write it. Who did he write to? Church at Ephesus. Did he write to just the church at Ephesus? No, it was passed around from church to church to church. It applies to us too. But when he wrote it, he wrote to the church in Christ in Ephesus. So they were being taught how to live as Christians in Christ in Ephesus. What do we know about Ephesus? Idols, sinful, Kind of sounds like Pullman Square. No. Um, 
I, no, I'm just a joke. Idols, sinful, there was a lot of bad, a lot of just, and we'll be talking about that tonight, there was a lot of immorality that was going on, there was a lot of idol, little G God, worship going on. There was this huge temple that was built to this fake God, Artemis, Diana, and, and they would do just terrible things to quote unquote worship this God. So he's saying, here's how you live in Christ in a sin city, in Ephesus, and we've talked about this is how you live in Christ in Huntington. Two weeks ago, we talked about that if you're going to live in Christ in Huntington, you got to grow up. We have to mature spiritually. We do that by connecting with our brothers and sisters. Last week, we talked about the glow up. Remember, we talked about glowing up spiritually and, and, and how by glowing up spiritually, by, by, by making these changes in your life in light of who you are in Christ, you, you can start to have a glow up. And tonight, we're talking about how to wise up spiritually. Christians are supposed to be different, Right? Are, is every Christian di different? Some Christians are different in the wrong ways, right? They're just weird. Like there's a difference between different and weird. Like some are just weird, but like every Christian is called to be different. We should not be like people who are not Christians because God made a change in us. So last week we talked about how we're called to be different, but tonight what we're going to learn is that in Christ we're called to be different. And if we're going to be different, we need to wise up. That's what we're going to learn about tonight, wising up. So look at the person next to you. Let's get, get some conversation going. Say, tell them to wise up. And, and, and tell, tell, them like, tell them like your parents would. Like, like use your parent voice. Like, 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 you know, wise up, right? Okay? So we're called to wise up. So that's where we're going tonight. We're in Ephesians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles. And we're going to start in verse 3, and before we, before we start uh, reading this together, you can see that it gets pretty intense after like the second word in the, chap or in the passage we're reading, right? The big S word appears like one word into this passage. Uh, so what I want to ask you to do tonight um, is to have an open heart and an open mind and to remember that this is the word of God. And that the word of God is true, was true when it was written, and it's true today. So what I'd like to do before we start reading and working through this passage, I would like for us to pray together. Uh, so let's pray together that God works in our hearts and helps us to have wisdom that can only come from him. So let's pray. Uh, Lord, tonight we're going to be talking about some things that really probably hit close to home. Um, I would venture to say that each of us, as we look at the areas in life where you've called us to wise up, students and leaders included, each of us has some work to do. So what I pray that as we read this, that, that, that we won't have a hard heart, but we'll have a soft heart, a responsive heart to you, that we'll want to see these, these, these changes, we'll want to wise up in these areas so that we can live for you and please you and live our identity um, in you. And God, I pray also as we, as we work through these verses that you'll remind us that these things aren't things that save us. We can only be saved by trusting in you. But because we've been saved, we want to honor you. So Lord, I pray that that will be our heart tonight as we read through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all ready to dive in? Yeah. Only have like a short amount of time, so let's do it. We're going to start with the first verse. Verse number three kind of sets up the rest of the passage. So you ready? Everybody ready to be mature? 
I had a teacher that told me, Matt, just pretend like you're mature. We know you're not mature, but just please pretend. So if you're mature, act mature. If you're not mature, pretend you're mature for like the next 15 minutes. Verse 3, let's read together. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. So, you know, if you're like me, <laughs> question marks. <laughs> like, like, why jump in like this? What, what's he getting at? Why did he decide to write this to the, uh, to the Ephesians? Well, they needed wisdom in these areas. And I believe that we need wisdom in these areas too in 2023. Let me explain a little bit about the situation in Ephesus. And I think when I explain this, you're gonna start seeing why this was written the way it is. But I think you're also gonna start to see some similarities between what's going on in Ephesus and what's going on in your high school or what's going on in the world around us. In Ephesus, there was a temple. This is a picture of the ruins of that temple. It was a temple. Um, it, it, was a, it was a temple to the to, to the god Artemis, who's also known as Diana. And in this temple, this was a false god, but it was one of the gods of fertility. And what these people who were these false worshipers of this false God would do, these were people that didn't know Christ, these were people that didn't know that there was a God that loved them and came to save them, they would enter this temple and their act of worship, I even hate to, even, even with air quotes, I hate to call it that, this is what they, what they thought, a way for them to pay honor to this God was that they would consume large amounts of alcohol they would get drunk and they'd have sexual relations with temple prostitutes. And that was their quote unquote worship. That's messed up, right? I'm not trying to beat around the bush, but I'm not trying to talk too much about it either. But that's what was going on. Not right. But what we learn as we learn about these Ephesians is that that was what everyone did in that town. So as these Ephesians learn about Jesus and as they learn about salvation, they are saved out of that sinful lifestyle and into Christ. But what starts happening is some of these Ephesian Christians start thinking, well, maybe I can follow Jesus and maybe I can be a Christian but also participate in this quote-unquote Worship this honoring of this other God. And I'm a Christian, so I know this is not a real God, but I'm just gonna, quote unquote, enjoy myself and participate, but I still believe in Jesus. That was, so, that was some of the mindset that was going on in some of these Greek churches. And Paul is writing to them by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and that's, he's addressing three issues. Sexual immorality. What is sexual immorality? Sexual immorality is any sexual activity outside of God's design. What's God's design? If you have your Bible, you can see exactly what God's design is. Look at verse 31 of this chapter. We're not getting into this tonight. We're getting into this next week when we're talking about your relationships and your parents and your friends and all, all that stuff. But it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's God's design for sex. That's God's design for sexual activity. You see the three steps there? A man shall leave his father and his mother. That means, you know, no more living in his parents' basement, eating ho-hos and ding-dongs and playing Xbox. He, he, he moves out. He is united with his wife, meaning they make a marriage covenant together. 
And then the two shall become one flesh, and that means exactly what you think it means. That's God's plan. And this word for sexual immorality is, is the word pornea. And you see where this is going, right? You see where the, where the, where the, the term that we have now today comes from, right? It's, it's, it's a term that means any sexual activity outside of God's plan for marriage. And the problem with these Ephesians is they were being tempted and they were trying to be pulled back into this old lifestyle of drunkenness and immoral sexual activity. And Paul says, what does he say about it? He said, it should not even be named among you. Christians have no business having sexual activity outside God's design. But it doesn't just say sexual immorality, it says impurity. Um, that's, that's a word that means something that's like um, yeah, yeah, vile or just immoral in general. It's the word, um, the, the Greek word is akatharsia, and it has to do with, if you've ever had a, um, you haven't, I don't think, but your grandparents may have had a heart catheterization where they go in and they, they take like a little, like, like, I don't know, like a little drill or something, or and they clean out their like corroded arteries and all that stuff. They clean it out. That's called a heart catheterization. And A is a negation. A, I'm getting too detailed here, but pretty much what it means is you're all gunked up spiritually. And a Christian is not supposed to be gunked up spiritually with sin. And then it's covetousness. And we know what covetousness means, right? It, it's, it's, it means selfishness. It means greed. Um, pretty much what it means is that you think you're the center of the universe. And everything you do is all about getting what you can out of others so that you can have more of whatever it is yourself. So, yeah, that was the issue in Ephesus. But that's, you know, that surely that isn't the issue today, right? I mean, nobody in 2023 is sexually immoral, right? Like nobody. Like especially at homecoming. I mean, everything is just like high and tight, nice and, you know, right? Nobody's sexually immoral. Nobody's impure. Nobody's gunked up spiritually with sin in their lives. And nobody's covetousness. Nobody thinks that they're the center of the universe in 2023, right? We've moved past all those things, right? Yes or no? So this is something for us today too, right? These are issues that not only did the Ephesians, are you following me? Not only did, these Ephesians, did the Ephesians have to wise up on, we have to wise up on these issues too. So for the rest of this passage here, this section of chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of God, he gives us four ways, four areas of our life that we should wise up. And two weeks in a row, they're all F words. So uh, if you're a note taker, you will be glad that they all are alliterated, right? Um, so Bella, are you still keeping a, the, 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 Bella, are you still keeping the F word count? I think we're at like 26 we're at now. 26, is that for the school year or? Okay, okay. So you've been refueling for 26 F words. We're going to get to 30 tonight. Here we go. Uh, so, so why should we, you know, why, you know, what are some areas that we need to wise up about? The first is we need to wise up about the conversations that we fuel. The conversations we fuel. Look what it says. Once it says, hey, this stuff shouldn't even be mentioned among you. I'm going to change my color here. We're going to go to blue. It says, let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. Jesus said it like this. He said, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. 
A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on the judgment day for every idle word you speak. Wow. So what Jesus says and what we see here is that the words that you say are kind of like a picture or a window into what's going on in your heart, which is why we see in God's word that we sh there should be no filthiness in the way that we, these all have to do with the way that we talk. Um, this word for filthiness has to do with like vulgar speech. You know, I was at a, I was at a Marshall game. I was actually at a Marshall game in Atlanta, which is a whole other deal. But there was some Marshall fan that traveled all the way from Huntington was sitting a row or two in front of us and he could not stop swearing. He, every other word was not the F words you hear at refuel. It was another kind that you're not supposed to use, right? And, and he would not and, and everybody's looking at him. And it's like even people that I'm sure weren't believers, I'm sure weren't Christians are looking and they, they see that his speech was vulgar. You know, Christians should speak a different way. There are some words that Christians just shouldn't use because when you use them, people look at you and they don't think of Christ. Uh, they think of some you know, drunk 60-year-old Marshall fan. So there should be no vulgar speech there should be no foolish talk. That word for foolish talk is a morologia. It's the word moros, which is the word we get moron from. And logia has to do with your speech and it has to do with your thinking. So no moron words. How many of y'all know someone that says moron word, moron talk? What that kind of has to do with is just stupidity. It has to do with things like conspiracy theories. It has to do with things like gossip it has to do with making things up so that you can one-up somebody else. You ever have, is there, it seems like everybody has that one guy in their friend group that's the one-upper. You know what I mean? Like, like, like you, know, you, you know, my dad played college baseball. You know, my dad played in major leagues. You know, there's always some kind of like, like, like there's, and it's, it's, I don't know if girls do this too, the guys, there's always one guy in their friend group has to be a one-upper, has to have a better story. You shot a nine-point buck, he shot a 10-point buck. Like, it's just how it works. But we're not supposed to say foolish things. Wouldn't it be, isn't it sad that some believers are more known for the, the bad, are we allowed to say stupid? Is that a bad word? The stupid things they say versus the good things they say about Christ and about, and, and, and about what he did for them. And the final thing is crude joking. And that's probably what you think it is. It's, it's, it's sexual jokes. You know, what's sad is that many Christians join right in with the inappropriate jokes that happen at practices. Many Christians join right in with the, the rumors that are spread about what she did with him over the past weekend. You ever think about where, where does that point your mind to? You, Jesus, what he said, he didn't just say um, that what is in the heart comes out through the mouth, he also says that the words we say will either convict us or acquit us. The words we use, we will have to give an account for. So when we talk about that, you got to ask the question, are we different? Have you ever thought about when you use those vulgar words or when you make those inappropriate jokes, that you may be making those inappropriate jokes around someone who is struggling with, with a pornography addiction? And when you said that, that inappropriate joke, you directed their mind back to something that they're struggling with. So the question is, are we different?
The speech that we use, the conversations that we fuel, can we honestly say as, as refuel and can you honestly say as an individual that your speech is different because you're in Christ? These are some hard-hitting ones. I, it's just, it's, it's what the word of God says. The next thing that we see, we should not only be different in the conversations we fuel, we should be different in the people that we follow. I had to put a picture up here because I'd like to know who the first basic white girl was to buy a Stanley mug. Like somebody had to start it. And then some other basic white girl had to see their little basic white girlfriend with a Stanley mug. Said, oh, girlfriend, where'd you get that? I want to get one of those too. And before you know it, like, you, you, you've, got, you've got these girls coming in with these, like, Stanley mugs that could, like, 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 like uh, you know, hydrate an enti- you know, the entire, like, Israeli army. Like, like and you, who decided that was a, a normal thing? Somebody followed someone who followed someone who followed someone, right? What does is, what is, uh, the, the scripture say about this? It's, let me change my color here. I have pretty colors. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath is coming on who? The sons of disobedience. That's just people who don't follow Jesus. It says, therefore, do not become partners with them. The first thing that I, I noticed was it says, don't let anyone deceive you um, with empty words. That idea, empty words, it means like permissive talk. You don't know what that means either, maybe. What it means is, is they try to talk you into doing something you know you shouldn't. Have you ever felt that pressure? Like, I believe there's positive peer pressure too. Like, I believe you can exert like a positive peer pressure to get people to do the right thing. But have you ever been in a situation where you were the only one who, knew, who, who didn't want to do that thing that you knew was wrong, but because everybody else was doing it, you felt pressured to do it, and they tried to talk you into doing it? That's empty talk. And what does it say? It says, let no one deceive you with empty talk. You know, sin came into the world because of empty talk, right? Satan was a snake, right? And he said, did God really say, right? Don't let anyone deceive you. But then it says, what does it say? It says, don't become partners with them. Well, who's them? That's the sons of disobedience. That's people who don't know Christ. We say, wait, wait, Matt, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not supposed to be, we're not supposed to be partners with them. How can we... How can we be friends with him? It wasn't Jesus a friend of sinners? Absolutely. Jesus was a friend of sinners, but he didn't sin with sinners. And what this word partners has to do with, it's, 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 a, it's a word that means fellow members, partners with, think, you, you do things together with them. It has to do with partaking in the sin with them. You know, God has called us to have relationships with people who don't know Christ. Like, like the whole like monk thing, like monasticism, like, like, like that was, yeah, they were living in disobedience to God because they weren't going into all the world preaching the gospel to every creature, right? Like we're supposed to be around people who don't know Christ. We can't walk around like, like with, with our nose in the air acting like we're the only ones whose armpits don't stink because we're Christians. We have to be around people who need the hope that we have, but we can't enter into the lifestyle they live with them. Does that make sense? And too often... Instead of us influencing people who need to know Christ, we get influenced. He goes on to say, remind us of our identity in Christ. He said what? At one time, this is BC, this is before Christ, you were in darkness, but now, AC, that doesn't stand for Antichrist, that stands for after Christ, but now you are what? 
You are light in the world. You are in Christ, so walk as children of light. We need to be careful, the people that we follow. And it's another question we need to ask, are we different? Are we different in the sense that we may be with people who don't know Christ, but we don't participate in the sinful lifestyle that they may participate in? That's tough, isn't it? Especially when you're surrounded by people who are doing the wrong thing. But are we different? That's what God's called us to do. The next F word we see as believers, we need to wise up about the decisions that we face. Think about all the decisions you made this morning when you woke up. You had to decide about breakfast. How many of y'all ate breakfast this morning? How many of y'all didn't? How many of y'all, it's like kind of debatable because you kind of ate something but it had no nutritional value. Okay, you made a decision about what you're going to eat. You made a decision about what you're going to wear. How many of y'all, was anybody just like really like, just, just like an overachiever and you set your clothes out the night before? Okay, okay, the, y'all are the ones that are going to be running the world later. Uh, the rest of us, <laughs> we're just going to be following you. Um, you made a decision about that. You made a decision about whether you were going to do your homework during homeroom or not. How many of y'all, you do it? You do homework at school so you don't have to do it later. How many of y'all, you're procrastinators? How many of y'all are procrastinators, but you decided you'll raise your hand later? Some of you got that, right? Life is, days are full of decisions, and some decisions are simple. Like, you're not going to sin by, like, wearing a hoodie instead of a cardigan. Always go with the cardigan, right? Swifties. But you're not going to sin by deciding to wear this over this, but... You will be faced with decisions that are right or wrong decisions. And what, what, does, what, is, uh, what does God's word say? Changing colors again. I'm running out of colors. We're going to go red. It says, try to what? Discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Maybe you've never heard this word before. You need to learn this word. So look to the person next to you and say, discern. Okay? Now I want you to say it in a southern voice. Say it in a northern voice. Say it in a Russian voice. Okay, this is, a, this is a word that we need to bring back. We need to make discerning great again. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not. Because uh, <laughs> I don't know how much discernment he has. Uh, we need to make, we need, we need to learn this word. What does the word discernment mean? Discernment means testing something to see if it would be pleasing to God. You know that the Bible says that's, some, that's a gift that the Holy Spirit gives to you, the ability to discern. Have you ever been presented with a, with, with a decision that you need to make and it's kind of hard to, actually hard to tell what's right and what's wrong. You get involved in friend drama, <laughs> sometimes it seems like every option is wrong, right? We need discernment. It says try to discern what? What's pleasing to the Lord. Some of you practice discernment. You practice the wrong kind of discernment though. You try to discern whether or not it'll be easy for you. Or whether or not it'll make you feel good. But as Christians, people who live differently, we're supposed to discern, to test the decisions to see if it'd be pleasing to God. So we need to make discernment a good thing again. It says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Some people take this verse and they go way too far with it. They think that they're supposed to start a YouTube channel and expose everything everybody wrong has done. 
So I'm supposed to expose your evil things. Well, what does it say after that? It says it's shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. The word here that's repeated all through the passage is walk, 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 walk. Kind of sounds like a Chinese restaurant. Walk, 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 walk. So this doesn't have to do with your words. It has to do with your manner of life. What it's saying is, if you're living in the light, if you're living the way and you're walking the way God has called you to walk, you're going to be different. And when light shines in the darkness, it lights it up. So what we're called to do is not necessarily start a YouTube channel and just put the whole world on blast for everything they're doing wrong. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to love, live in love like Jesus and watch people see how we're different. So that's the, that's the third F word. We need to wise up about the decisions that we face. The final one is we need to wise up about the habits we form. Unfortunately, I think I've run out of time for my object lesson. Can we take five minutes out of tag so we can do the object lesson? Jason, can you run my object lesson up here? How many of y'all, and Jude, Jude knows where I'm going with this because we've had this experience before. Uh, <laughs> so how many of y'all like milkshakes? How many of y'all like chocolate milk? All right. Okay. So I love me some chocolate milk. How, how do you make chocolate milk? Well, you can buy it at the store, but how else would you do it? Just, just say it. You need some milk, then what do you need? You need chocolate milk. And what do you do with the chocolate milk? All right, I think we have an adequate amount of chocolate. So, now that we have our chocolate milk prepared, I want you to read in the Bible now, while this is sitting here, what it says. This is the final point. It says, look, what? Carefully how you what? Walk. Remember, it's all about the walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. We need to be careful about the habits we form. But then what does it say? It says, don't be foolish. Understand what the will of God is. Don't get drunk with wine. Are you seeing how this points back to what they were doing in the temple? Remember they go in the temple they get drunk? Which leads to or for that is that's just a fancy word for saying you're doing really dirty stuff. And you see how that worked in the temple? They would get drunk. It would bring their inhibitions down and then they would do things that are unspeakable to say in this setting. He says instead of being controlled by alcohol you need to be filled with the Spirit. This word for fill, filled is the Greek word pleruthse, which has to do with not just a, a being full of something, like when you eat a big meal at the not-so-traditional Thanksgiving dinner and your belly is full of good food. It means there's no room left. It doesn't mean full in that sense. It means to be controlled. It means to be permeated. In Acts, this word was used to describe the Pharisees when Stephen preached to them how they became full of rage. Like from head to toe, they were just ticked at everybody. Have you ever been controlled by something like that? What this word has to do, it doesn't have to do with, with, with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The moment you were saved, chapter 1 verse 13 of Ephesians says, the moment you were saved, the Holy Spirit came to live in your life. Just like I, I emptied this bottle 
This is the Holy Spirit. Sweet and savory. The milk is your life. And this bottle has been, and there's no more. I could squeeze, 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 and it'd just be the fart noise because none, nothing else would come out. This cup has received all the Holy Spirit it's ever gonna get. And just like you, when you put your faith in Christ and you trust in Jesus, you've received all the Holy Spirit you're ever gonna get. You have the Holy Spirit if you're a Christian. But if you look at this glass here, can you, is this glass, does it have the Holy Spirit in it? Yes. Is it full? Is it permeated by it? This word fulfilled means to be permeated, controlled by it. What has to happen? You gotta, I'm gonna make a big mess here. You gotta stir it up, right? And what, what starts happening as you start stirring? Now, every sip of chocolate milk that you take, you're gonna taste the chocolate. A person who, listen, a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit, every part of their being, everything that you come in contact with, with that person is permeated, controlled by the Holy Spirit. So when a Spirit-filled person comes into the room, the things that they say are going to be full of the Holy Spirit, and the things they do are going to be full of the Holy Spirit, and the attitudes inside them are going to be full of the Holy Spirit and the decisions they make are going to be full of the Holy Spirit. Are you following here? This is what this whole passage builds up to. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this word, the the, the way the verb appears in the Greek, it's not just a one-time thing. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, salvation, you trust in God, the Holy Spirit moves into you, that's a one-time thing and he's never moving out. He's a lifetime resident. This word for be filled with the Holy Spirit is written in the continuous. So a good way to read it would be, especially in West Virginia, keep on being filled. No G in the being. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Present yourself to God every day and say, God, control me. So are we different in the habits we form? Do you wake up every day saying, God, control me? When your teacher assigns 50 bajillion pages of homework and you're getting pretty ticked off, do you say, God, control me? We should be different because we're not controlled by foreign substances. We're not out there getting drunk. We're not controlled by our emotions. We're controlled by the Holy Spirit. Are we different? In Christ, we're called to be different. And if we're gonna be different, we need to wise up. Who wants this milkshake? You better start drinking, buddy. So I want to leave you with two questions, and then we're going to go to tag. Okay? So just for a second, I I real this is this is important because we had some fun with the illustration, and I hope that illustration put it in your mind, made it helpful for you to understand what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's the application: is this two questions I'm going to ask you? First question is this: that you need to ask yourself: Do I have the Holy Spirit? You know you're not saved by being baptized. We're going to do that to celebrate tonight what God has done in people's lives. You're not saved by being baptized. You're not saved by going to church. You know what I say about that, right? Being in a church doesn't make you any more Christian than being in a garage makes you a car. You're saved by doing what? Oh, I'm going to say that again and please help me this time. You're saved by doing what? 
believing. Thank you, Bella. You're saved by believing in Jesus, by trusting that when he died on the cross, he paid for your sin. When you do that, when you trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in your life. So the first question I need to ask you, maybe you've been here for a long time, maybe it's your first time in a long time, maybe this is your first time ever. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And when you believe in him, you get the Holy Spirit. So the question is, have you believed in him? Do you have the Holy Spirit? The next question is for those of you that have believed in Jesus. Does the Holy Spirit have me? Do I have the Holy Spirit? That's the indwelling that happens at salvation. Does the Holy Spirit have me? That's the filling of the Holy Spirit. Was your day today controlled by the Holy Spirit? Were your actions and attitudes and thoughts and words controlled by the Holy Spirit? If we're gonna wise up with our words and wise up with the people that we interact with and if we're gonna wise up with the, the habits that we form, we have to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. So we're gonna pray and then we're gonna go to tag and then we're gonna, I'm a little sticky. We're gonna get baptized. <laughs> we're not gonna get baptized. We're gonna have baptisms. Um, so let me pray for you. Um, God, thank you so much um, that you don't, you, you don't leave us without you. Um, that when we trust in you, your Holy Spirit comes and lives inside us. God, we're surrounded by a culture that seems very similar to the Ephesian culture. Um, we're in a world that doesn't celebrate things that please you oftentimes. Uh, we're, we're surrounded by people who don't live for you because they don't know you. The words that we hear oftentimes are not words that we should repeat. And Lord, the only way that we can wise up about our words, the only way that we can uh, wise up about uh, the people that we follow the only way we can wise up about our day-to-day -day habits is for your Holy Spirit to take control of us. So God, I pray that we will yield ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.